Beers with Nigel is poured for you by Dire Oil Graphics, promotional products and design. They cover your brand bumper to bumper with graphic design, promo products, and print. See what Dire Oil Graphics can build for you at direoil.com. That's D-Y-E-R-O-I-L.com. All right, let's do it. Uh, welcome to Beers with Nigel. It's a podcast about beers and what? And other stuff. And other things. Um Brought to you by Dire Oil Graphics, your unique partner for all your branding and merchandise needs. They really love the breweries. It's it's kind of people are shocked that we have a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> like I got to tell you, I'm shocked about two things. One that people actually listen to this. <laughs> yeah. And two, <laughs> two that yeah somebody wants somebody wants to sponsor us and and help us grow it. So that was awesome. So that's Nick over there. I'm Nigel. Uh, our guest today, our first Oklahoma City or Oklahoma brewery is. Pat Lively from Lively Brewing in Oklahoma City. What's up, buddy? Not much, man. Just uh, living the dream. We're trying to keep the dream alive. Not oh, shit. Too, Tell right? me about it. <laughs> um, let, we're gonna cut to the chase real quick. Uh, you already said it before we got on, but we're gonna we're gonna appease Junior. That's our Junior. Junior. Um, go ahead and tell Junior what you're drinking. Yeah, so I'm drinking a Lively Beer Works Passion Fruit Tart. Uh, it's a uh, 5.3% ABV. Um, you know, we use the term tart because it won't take the enamel off your teeth. It's sour, <laughs> but not too sour. Uh, and then definitely lots of passion fruit. Yeah. So junior, we're, we're drinking, uh, uh, I was about to call you Kenny. I'm not Kenny. <laughs> Kenny, the professional from Oklahoma city. Uh, we're drinking rough tail out of Oklahoma city. It's called bless your heart. It's a 13% double Imperial stout with vanilla. What else? It's an easy thirteen percent. An easy thirteen barrel aged. Yeah, as a, they, they, the description they said on Untapped was like approximately two years. <laughs> <laughs> so give or give or take, give or take. Yeah. So, so uh, Pat, if we were gonna, if somebody says who is Pat Lively, what would you tell us? Yeah. So, um, well, uh, you know, like we talked about, I grew up in Oklahoma City, um, but. You know, I guess what's pertinent to our show is that I am the founder and, you know, owner of Lively Beer Works, but that's not where my journey in beer started. I started as a home brewer, like so many other craft brewers back in 2004, 2005. And then um, in 2009, um, I went to work for Coop Ale Works, which is a large brewery in Oklahoma currently. And I worked for them as their production manager from... 2009 to 2014 and then I left there and went to Anthem Brewing Company and was the president and brewmaster there from 2014 to 2018 when I left to found this company. Um, I've been really fortunate I think to be able to like enter into an industry at the ground floor especially in Oklahoma one that was so young uh, at the yeah. time when I started working for Coop there were only three breweries in the state uh, and so that's allowed me to do some fun stuff um, most notably you know, be a founding board member of the Oklahoma or Crappers Association of Oklahoma, um, which is our, our statewide guild association. Uh, and then in 2016, we were able to go and negotiate a much more equitable marketplace for ourselves in Oklahoma. And we probably went from some of the most draconian laws in the country to yeah. some of the most progressive. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was Oklahoma was like, Cause I lived there for a long time. And you know, like you said, the first time I went to coop, just when they, when you could actually have a tap room, I was like, wow, Oklahoma is like fucking, 
you know, actually coming of age. Because again, bet- between Oklahoma and Utah, probably the probably the two worst states that, and I think Utah is probably the last state that that's probably. So know. when you say draconian laws, I mean, are you talking? Is it a lot of dry counties like Arkansas is, or are there <clears> a lot of rules like if you're going to serve alcohol, you have to serve a certain amount of food and. Yeah, I mean, so we got we had some rules like that. The biggest thing was we were a three-two state, um, and so the this would not beer, have happened. <laughs> yeah, the majority of the beer made in the state was three-two, um, and that was you know the beer that you could buy in the grocery store and the convenience store. There was still strong beer in the state, but you could only buy it at retail package stores. Um, not cold, not cold. Yeah, and then you and not cold, and then you cut and you couldn't get it on Sunday. Um, <laughs> And you couldn't get it past 9 p.m. You know, so if you wanted to drink a good craft beer, you'd have to go buy it warm off the shelf in the afternoon to have it right. cold. You know? Unless right. you want to roll the dice with the freezer. <laughs> <laughs> you forget about that, this that, shit. That, 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 that's yeah. the follow-up question. How often did you roll the dice? Uh, every time, man. <laughs> uh, no one's got time to go to the liquor store in the middle of the afternoon. <laughs> That's what I'm throwing. That was the craziest thing, you know. You know, even when I lived there and when I left, you know, it was, you know, you know, Byron's liquor store downtown Oklahoma oh, yeah. City. I've been going there since I was in college. And the hustle was, got to get there before 9 p.m. And it was like, remember that movie Escape from New York? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like zombies and shit trying to get trying to get to at nine PM, you know, and it's a giant but store. That was the other rule was that you had to you had the process, you couldn't just be in there by nine. Your transaction had to be done by nine. Yeah. So if oh, you were waiting in line and the clock turned, they'd tell you, sorry, you gotta come back tomorrow. So I, I don't I don't know how I don't know how old you are, but um <laughs> did you ever go across the state line to get beer? I I have done that, yeah. <laughs> it's an age-old tradition in oklahoma i think i was a little bit i think everyone was a little bit naive on that deal you know for whatever reason in oklahoma the sort of colloquial statement was this sort of like the beer we have is three point and the beer in texas is six point right and it leads to this idea that the beer was twice as strong right uh, which is factually incorrect was it like by volume or by weight was it (laughs) 3.2 percent by weight is 4.1 percent by volume so your average bud light i think is 4.4 percent by volume so you were getting a whopping three tenths of a percent of alcohol (laughs) hey i swear to god if you were at a party and someone was like i got texas beer and that's that's really affecting me you know (laughs) (laughs) you know back in my car sale car sales days um a good deal is a state of mind just saying (laughs) that's right well look and there there is a certain age of your alcohol consumption career where you can convince yourself that yeah it's affected me a lot did you just call it a career (laughs) i mean look it definitely has been a career for me some some well yeah yeah you have a fucking brewery (laughs) hey we get paid for this show (laughs) is that so hey how did you go how did you go from home brewer and right into right into work in production for for a big for a big brewery was that a was that they, a weren't, leap? they weren't that big then i think is what helps and um you know i think there was a reason there were only three breweries in oklahoma and these guys that started coop had not heard that reason yet <laughs> so so, you know, I mean, they had the brilliant idea to open a brewery, but definitely didn't didn't have necessarily the wherewithal. And the industry was a lot smaller then. People yeah. weren't moving to Oklahoma City 
to come yeah. to a startup brewery. You know what I mean? Like we don't, we haven't really seen transplants from out of state come into work until like the last like three or four years. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I guess I was kind of it, you know, and you know, my buddy who's still the head brewer there, he was the same deal. You know, we just, and Chase Healy, who's at American Solera and before oh, yeah. that Harry Arsenales, he was there in the beginning. Wow. And we were just home brewers and luckily the guys who started it didn't know any better, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's back up, let's back up a little bit. We always ask people, um, cause we, we debate when the word craft came about. Yeah. You know, obviously you traveled across the state lines to get whatever beers you could. Right. What was your, what was your first experience of something you thought was, Oh, this is better than, you know, the Coors or the Bud Light. What was the first thing that, that got your attention that, you, that you know, was kind I, of craft beer? I think for me, you know, I, it kind of was like a parallel path. Like so many people in our state, like Boulevard Wheat was sort of the gateway beer. Nice. Um, you know, and, and with only at the, you know, in the mid 2000s, there was only one local brewery. And so Boulevard really was our craft beer choice. Right. And so was that on, was that on the shelves at Byron's nice and hot? Oh yeah. Everywhere. There's actually, you know, Tapworks downtown, which oh, is yeah. our, our sort of famous beer bar, which unfortunately just closed. Seriously? Yeah. Um, a couple of weeks ago. Damn. Um, upstairs, it says there's a giant like mural that says Boulevard, Oklahoma's craft beer. Oh, wow. <laughs> Does Boulevard know about this? <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Well, I was trying to think of when, because, you know, I'm young enough that they were, I wasn't really drinking yet when they first started getting big. So I was trying to think of their timeline of when they, when they started hitting some of those other states. But then against Oklahoma, though, so they probably weren't getting shit yeah. when they first came out. I'm just, I mean. We weren't getting a lot of stuff. I mean, you know, Boulevard, you know, we were getting like Pete's Wicked Ale. I remember having that. I think really my introduction or introduction to beer that wasn't domestic light beer wasn't a 30 pack of Keystone probably actually was more European focused though. Okay. Like, you know, some Belgian stuff, Chimay. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's good shit. Um, And I think that kind of opened up my eyes and then, you know, I started drinking Newcastle Brown and different stuff like that. Um, I don't know that it was very fresh, but. <laughs> but it wasn't it wasn't domestic right you know lager, yeah what was what was uh what was the first thing you brewed as a home brewer how'd you get into how'd you get into home brewing uh just by happenstance really a buddy of mine we were actually like in our last semester of college and i went to school at a small liberal christian art school not what school would that be southern nazarene oh my brother went there yeah and we weren't we weren't allowed to drink <laughs> But, uh, no, I went to Oklahoma Christian, bro. I know. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, you know. Yeah, I always joke. It's funny, you know, like, here I am. I'm the president of the Oklahoma Craft Brewers Association and the head brewer at Coop. And then uh, there's a brewer at a new brewery that is showing Big Friendly. We're all, we all went to SNU. And my dad, my dad was a professor there. That's how I ended up there. And really? He just retired. But for a long time, when they would send out the emails asking for suggestions for stories for the alumni magazine he would always submit us that's and awesome they would, they would never they wouldn't even respond to him they wouldn't even say oh, i don't think this is our crowd <laughs> just pure silence that's awesome i you know i did not go to a christian school but i went to school in joplin missouri so i uh, i understand the, it's like going to a christian the, school. the buckle of the bible belt i understand no we we we, we were the zipper of the bible belt okay <laughs> <laughs> but so, so my, so, yeah, go ahead. My friends and I like to drink beer, and 
we'd like we're i think it was finals week it was the spring and a buddy of mine we didn't, didn't have anything to do and we were driving down pennsylvania avenue and i looked over and there's a shop that just was called the brew shop i was like hey let's go in there i think i thought it was going to be like a liquor store right right when i was a homebrew shop there's this guy chuck in there he's he has since sold it and moved to salida where he opened another homebrew shop but that shop every time i try to stop in there when i drive through it's closed because he's skiing <laughs> I think he takes it too seriously. He made, he made his money. <laughs> yeah, he he, uh, he he sold us a kit, and we we got an Australian pale ale. So I thought about that several times. I don't think I've ever made an Australian pale ale since then. Um, yeah, nobody has. I don't, that, I don't even know what a commercial example would be. Would it have an Australian hop or something? What was what was the the hook? No, this no, I don't. I mean, I don't know. You don't remember? <laughs> I don't know. It was like. So how did it, it was extract? Yeah. How did it turn out? Uh, well, we thought it was good, but you know, five gallons made like whatever two point two five two point two five cases, which were all gone in the first night. You know? <laughs> so, what was it that hooked you though? Was that was is that did, were you hooked after that first brew? No, I I don't know that I was. I mean, I liked it, and but I don't know that I completely understood it. Um, and I actually graduated and I went to work in campaign politics and I was traveling around the country working on these different campaigns sort of through the 2006 and 2008 election cycles and I was getting to try a lot of craft beer that we didn't get in mm -hmm. Oklahoma and then I was working on this race in Virginia in 2007 and it was really close and there was a recount which is odd to talk about in current time. <laughs> um, and my candidate was down by 400 votes and she wanted to recount it, even though I told her, you're not going to find 400 votes. Uh, and so we, we did the recount and it took a couple weeks and I wasn't going to make it back in time for Thanksgiving. So I called a friend of mine who was at the university of Pittsburgh, um, going to law school. And I said, Hey, can I come? And, and she wasn't going home either. She's from Elk city, Oklahoma. Can I come and, and have Thanksgiving with you and your husband? And, hang out and she was like yeah i mean i just have class until uh wednesday um you know at four and i was like well i'm off like at like i'm trying to get out of here first thing like that's not you know whenever you lose an election you're ready to get out of town <laughs> and, uh so i just started was like well maybe there's like a brewery i can go visit and on the way from northern virginia to pittsburgh is Pottstown. Yeah. And so I went to the Yingling Brewery. Yeah. And I guess I had absorbed more knowledge from the, you know, handful of batches that I had done prior to that point. And uh so I I kind of got the fever then. And so I stayed there and we went to this uh small brew pub in Pittsburgh called Church Brewworks. Mm -hmm. And it's like really kind of cool restaurant that's like in the sanctuary and the yeah. on the altars yep. system. I know, I know all about it. That's yeah. cool. And, you know, kind of did that. And when I got back, I called my buddy and was like, Hey, can you still have that homebrew stuff? And he was like, nah, I don't know where it's at. Or, you know, I think he was just bullshitting me because he didn't want to give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't care. I had just gotten paid. So I went and bought a new kit and, my buddy Blake, who's the head brewer at Coop, I said, hey, let's let's make this beer. And he's like, I don't know. I think my wife's going to hate it. And I was like, no, let's just do it. 
And uh, yeah, I guess the rest is history. Now we've both made a career out of it. That's fucking that's awesome. awesome. That's awesome. So basically you went to church and you found your path. I mean, that's what you can tell everybody. Yeah, for sure. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of Blues Brothers there. He, he saw yeah, the light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so when you started at Coop, I mean, what year was that? 2009 we were part-time and then we all well chase healy was full-time so what was the you know you know i think of like part-time super volunteers and then in 2010 we both sort of stepped in full-time and then chase stepped out in 2010 so what was that like in oklahoma because back then you couldn't have a tap room right yeah it was a little strange i mean you know we we were a full we had to be a full-fledged production brewery um and i think the way that they did it was smart you know the owners decided to be draft only uh and so they basically turned oklahoma city into their local tap room you know so when people call us at where can we get your beer you know we had a handful of accounts that would carry every every brand so we could go we'll go here um one of them happened to be like walking distance from the brewery um and so you could go and you could try all the beers and do that stuff but you couldn't you couldn't come in the facility obviously right right um but it was just different and i think that created a really high barrier of entry so we just didn't have a lot of breweries opening up you know yeah. so it was a little bit like the wild wild west yeah i can remember when when coop first got that tap room i mean it was basically just a garage door that they well, yeah. we're gonna make a we're gonna make a tap room yeah, because when, <laughs> when we designed that brewery, that's the second brewing space that Coop has. The first space was over at 51st and Western across from Bishop McGinnis High School. Really? Yeah. When we and we so we we built that space out in 2014 and there was no the law. There was no real thought that the law was going to change anytime soon. Oh, wow. And. Uh, you know, we. There's lots of different stories about how the law came about changing, but. At the end of the day, you can't invest a bunch of money in a tap room that you, you may or may not ever have. Right, right. Because it was makeshift when you guys did it. Yeah, so then the law changes. And by the time I was gone from Coop, but they had to make do, right? Because they had, they had optimized all their space to be a production facility. Right. And then they were subsequently able to sort of find another solution. Now they kind of have a permanent tap room solution. Now, when, yeah, when I, they went from the, the, the temporary one to the one around the corner it was you know i went to both i was like wow but i was thrilled because i remember my son my son went to oklahoma christian as well yeah and i went down there and i went to go see him but i went to the brewery first because i knew they had a tap room <laughs> you know priorities you know what I mean? <laughs> and i went in and i was like you know all those years i lived in oklahoma city i'm like wow there's a fucking brewery i was blown away what was that like you know obviously you made the jump which i didn't know you went to anthem um what was what was it like when the laws changed and you guys like, Oh shit, this just happened. What was that like? It was pretty crazy. I mean, so, you know, depending on how you talk to, you know, sort of a conspiring sort of course of events that led to the law change. Um, but the biggest thing was that Oklahoma is like one of the largest constitutions in the world. Like all of our law exists in our constitution. So <laughs> it is incredibly difficult to change. And so anything that was going to happen with alcohol was going to have to go before a vote of the people. Right. And so I think that really helped us, though, because we said, if we're going to do this, we have to do everything at once. Like, there's no there's no baby stepping this. This is a complete overhaul of our alcohol laws. 
And I think the big thing was, was basically cold beer in grocery stores and convenience stores. That was, you know, the, the Oklahoma business community got really behind that idea. I think they thought that they, they were losing out. Companies were losing out on talent to companies in other States because of lifestyle issues. Right. You know, the sort of the great story, you know, is Aubrey McClendon, who's the founder of Chesapeake, you know, wants a Whole Foods and Whole Foods is like, nope, we're not coming because we can't sell wine and beer. Right, right. Strong beer. And Aubrey goes, well, I'll give you rent free. And they go, well, OK, we'll come. You know? <laughs> but he wanted Whole Foods there and it's directly across the street from the Chesapeake main campus because he was, you know, trying to improve the lifestyle right. of his employees. Right. Um, and I think there was sort of this culmination of events that all led to that. And so, you know, we just were fortunate enough to get organized and get in and, and really, since they had already opened themselves up to a massive change to go in and, and, um, get some stuff done. And we actually found a loophole. So the, the original law was passed in 2016, but like I said, it had to have a, a vote and then it didn't go into effect until 2018. Right. So it's like, we have to have a couple of years to put this into place and there's Stupid. a there change to distribution <laughs> level and all this stuff. And so, but we came in and said, Hey, there's no reason why we can't make tap rooms legal today. Uh, and so in May of 2016, we got a bill passed. We got them to put an emergency on it. And in August we had tap rooms and like yeah. wow. in February, yeah. we had no concept that it was going to be on the table. Yeah. Well, like that soon, you know what I right. mean? Yeah. 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 It we happened were fast. Pushing for it, but then we kind of came in and we were able to pick this one issue out and say, "Hey, that right there." There's no reason we got to wait to 2018 to do that. Let's do that right now. And so, um, you know, in August of, of 2018 or 2016, people could open their doors and sell beer for the first time direct to consumer. Do you remember that first kind of that first day or night when you when you you know rolled open the doors and? And started serving out of the tap room. Yeah, I hate to admit this, but I, I wasn't there. I, <laughs> I, uh, I booked one vacation for the whole year, and I was going to Oregon to go to wine country, and we'd book reservations for restaurants and do, did all the stuff. And I, I think that my partner, she would have killed me if I'd canceled. <laughs> so I was in, I was actually in Oregon drinking wine, um, which was not bad by any means, but. It was kind of a bummer to miss it. Yeah. Um, before we move on to, because I want to talk about how you made the jump from uh, Coop to Anthem, because I thought you went from Coop to where you are now. But before we do that. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, it's mystery time. It's mystery beer time. So one of the things we do on our podcast, okay. we've got this, uh, this, this bag might or might not have been stolen from a golf course. Doesn't matter. Shout out to Tony Medina. So, you know, Nick is more of a whiskey bourbon guy. But I'm coaching him up on on beers. Probably in March he didn't like sours. Now he does. So I'm, I'm thinking I'm, I'm a pretty good coach. Just call yeah. me. Just call me Pat. Right. You, know, you know what? You know what really got me to to like the sours? I drank one. <laughs> Several. <laughs> you didn't like him at first. Shut your mouth. That's so true. Here's your first mystery. Uh, what beer. do we got? Today? There you go. <laughs> the paper bag. Yeah. It, it still keeps it. Class. Pat, you have a, you have a favorite style that you like to drink? Oh, uh, I I don't know. I mean. I've gone through phases definitely where like I had, you know, I definitely went through like an IPA phase probably in the late two thousands where I all I wanted to drink was IPA. And then I went through this sort of sour barrel age phase. Yeah. And now I just really want quality. 
you know, I think I want to That's see fair. that someone worked really hard on the beer and definitely put thought into designing it. Um, and I've just come back around to lots of different styles. I think, you know, I used to be one of the guys that didn't talk kindly about wheat beer and the <laughs> wheat beer. a great wheat beer is good. Yeah. 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 Crafted, it's a great beer. Yeah. And so that's, that's kind of more, more where I find myself more find myself this, these days. I don't, you know, um, I probably drink more IPA than anything. Um, right. But that's also what's readily available. Right. But I, we know we've been doing a lot of lagers. Definitely love drinking lagers. I, I, yeah. I love a lager. Um, so what you got there, Nick? What do we got? We got uh, Martin city brewing their donut yeah. stout with maple and vanilla. I haven't that's actually had good. that. So, um, a shout out to Martin city brewing. They've got this great beer club. Oh yeah. Uh, $24 a month. You get 24 beers, <laughs> 20% off of food. Uh, two for ones when you go in there and drink. Uh, yeah, it's just ridiculous. I'm like, what a great deal. That's a really good deal. Yeah. I was like, why would I not sign up for 24? I mean, I have nowhere to put them because my, uh, my buddy, Kenny, shout out to Kenny from Oklahoma city. Um, he brought me so much beer from Oklahoma city. It's so ridiculous. I've just got so much beer right now. So much beer. Your, uh, your COVID fridge has seen more action during the last <laughs> 10 months. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. I think, uh, Martin city that we've had some of their beers recently. They're definitely doing some interesting stuff. We had that. Yeah. The, someone brought us that Buffalo wing sauce one. <laughs> I didn't try that one. Me neither. How was it? Well, it's in inter- I mean, it tastes like Buffalo wing sauce. Not that that's <laughs> I want to drink. I, mean, I think that's my problem with it. Like, I mean, I think that they did it right. It tastes like Buffalo wing sauce. I just don't want to drink Buffalo wing sauce. That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. You know, I, I want usually, it on my wings, but I don't want to drink it, it as it, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I almost don't want it on anything but wings. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm not like yeah. I'm not. I'm not an equal opportunity buffalo wing sauce person. <laughs> Maybe it can go on some legs, but if you put it on a breast, I don't want it. <laughs> this is pretty tasty. You know, I expect it to be a lot heavier. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, but it's a, really a little, thin. A little thin for my taste, but that's fine. You I can, think it's you good. Can, you can taste the syrup. You can taste the donuts. Maybe I don't know. Anyway, yeah. anyway, so you made the leap from from Coop to Anthem, which I when I started going to Oklahoma City was one of my favorite breweries. How that happened? What what made you make the jump to a, to another brewery? Well, I think, you know, we got we got done building that new facility and um you know, some different things were going on in my life and I I just I didn't really know where I was headed with the company or in life in general. I didn't know I like honestly I didn't know if I was going to continue to be a brewer. Really? I was gonna, you know, maybe go back to school. I was kind of you know, looking at a lot of different options and the guys at Anthem, they just opened up their facility and they're having a little bit of trouble, just normal stuff, like not making batches on time and not kind of have that sort of foresight so that, you know, Hey, if we got an order coming in, we need to have this beer made two, three weeks ago, not when the order comes in, you know? And so, um, I went to work for them sort of, just temporarily. Um, and around that time I sort of said, you know, I think I'm going to keep in this for a little while longer. And I was talking to some people about raising some money 
and staying in the industry and maybe opening my own space. And um, about three months into it, their kind of founding brewer um, decided to leave the company. And uh, eventually he moved to Seattle. He's actually got a new brewery up there. Uh, and they came to me and said, hey, would you be interested in staying on permanently, kind of in this sort of operator of the company role? Wow. And I thought, well, this is sort of what I was trying to do. Um, but I don't have to go through all the hassle of the startup and I got right. a brewery. I can just make beer and do the thing that I want to do. And so, yeah, that's, that's kind of how that happened. It was, I wouldn't say that it was painless. I think, <laughs> I think that, you know, I was probably, I mean, as far as I know, I was the first brewery employee to switch breweries. I mean, that's, I mean, that wouldn't be a surprise in Oklahoma city. I mean, it's so young. Right. And so, I mean, there was, you know, it wasn't always good blood, but it, I think now that we got, you know, we're upwards of over 50 breweries. We've had people, lots of people move around. Is it 50 now? It makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Wow. So you went from, that, you went in that amount of time, you went from about three to now 50? About 10 years. Yeah. Wow. That, but, they but, call, they call that exponential growth. But I, I mean, I would say, I mean, you can tell me you're there that the, the brunt of them is probably, probably in the last five or six years that's happened, right? Definitely since 2016. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean. 30, 30 breweries opened since 2016. <laughs> Holy moly. So, so fucking ridiculous. That's why, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I go to Oklahoma City probably three or four times a year. Yeah. And then Kenny was like, oh, we need to go to Lively. I'm like, Where, where's that? What's that? So, yeah. you know, we got, you know, I pull up to this place. I'm like, you know, I lived in Oklahoma City for a long time. And I know that area. And all of a sudden, there's this building right there. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. so how long were you at anthem um i was there from 2006 or 2014 like october 2014 to april 2018 oh so a, a while a little while yeah, yeah. wow so <laughs> you know we have to ask the question because you know it's like is there there's you know you said it's everything's there's nothing not painful about being in the business and opening a brewery so obviously you had some designs on, hey, I want to open my own spot. When did that come to, when, when did that start budding? When, what was your thought process along those lines? I think it became apparent to me, you know, for several reasons, probably midway through my time at Anthem that it wasn't going to be a long term. I wasn't going to be there in my career there, you know. And so here I am, I'm the president of the Oklahoma Craft Brewers Association. You know, I'm running this company. What do you do? You know, like, so I thought about moving, maybe trying to get in a bigger brewery, you know, like, what do you do to advance your career kind of? Um, and finally, I decided that, you know, I, I built great relationships and contacts here in Oklahoma City. And the most logical thing was for me to, to make that step, you know, a little bit further and become an owner and, and, you know, be the master of my own destiny, as it were. What was it that you wanted to do most? you know, by being on your own, by being the, you know, the master in charge there. I mean, was it, were there things, were there beers you wanted to make? Were there business thing, you know, business goals that you, you had, or was it just, you know what, I just need to try this on my own. I think it was mostly the latter, you know, mostly just about doing it on my own. You know, I, I was really fortunate that at Coop and at Anthem, you know, had we really had broad range in our ability to make what we wanted to make. Um, and uh, you know, I think 
so coming into lively, I wasn't going, well, they never let me make this beer. So I want to make it, but I definitely would start going, you know, like I want to build a company, you know? And so our, our logo is a tree and people ask that it's not very beer centric. Um, but we kind of see the company as a living organism and that, you know, we're making beer and that's, what's, you know, ultimately important to us, but we also want to create a great culture and, and this sort of living organism that is our company. Um, you know, so that people can have good jobs with good wages and, you know, be able to, you know, do what they enjoy and work in the beer industry. And so that's kind of, you know, I think what I really began to focus on as I transitioned away from Anthem to starting this new project. So, so you mentioned like being in the beer industry and making good wages and that, and that sort of thing. Obviously there's a lot of breweries that don't do that. Is that right. one of your things that you're like, Hey, lively is going to be this. I mean, I, I think we want to be fair. You know, we always want to be near the top end of the market. You know, unfortunately, beer being so heavily regulated, that end up being like what people don't really realize is that means the price is regulated to some extent. You know, like we have so many partners we have to work through. Um, and so, you know, we can't go, you know, hog wild, but I think we can pay people fairly um, and, you know, give them, you know, a decent wage for their work. And, you know, I think the thing you see a lot in breweries is overworking people. And so right. trying not to do that. Right. Like, also, I think a major goal. Well, well, you know, you said earlier about your, your first stop at Coop that, you know, you were the part-time super volunteer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think, you know, I think everybody's had that moment or a lot of people have early in their career where they, you know, you're, you're passionate and you're excited about doing it. So yeah, you'll, I'll, I'll come in and keep working. And I, and I think in beer, I think a lot of people, I mean, I work for three breweries. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I see it. People are just passionate about it. So it's not about the money, but at some point you need to be able to pay your rent. So, you know, I, the shout out, shout out to you for at least, you know, that being, you know, something that's on your mind to make sure people, you know, one of the things I learned when I, I went to England a couple of years ago and the people I, and that I had met in the beer industry, they were all about paying a living wage. And that's not necessarily the thing in this country in breweries. You know, it's 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 not. It's you know, most people. I have people who work for who work for breweries for free, payment beer. <laughs> that's not you know that's not going to pay the rent. But you know you can you know you can get your you get your beer. But that's that's yeah. so you know I really of, of all the episodes we've done with brewers, that's the first time I've heard somebody that that said this is what I want to do as far as making sure who it works for you you know, feels like they're being treated fairly. Cause that's, that's huge. Right. You know, and I don't know that we'll always be able to do it. I don't know that we've always been able to do it in our short history, but it definitely, I think is a value that we carry, you know? Well, I mean, you've been open for how long? The year. Well, we've been, the brewery's been open for a year and we've been operating for you know a little over two years. So, I mean, that, that begs the question. I mean, the pandemic, when that shit started, how did that affect what you guys are doing? Your brand new business. Yeah, I mean, we, we've had to take cuts, everyone, myself included, you know. Um, we've tried to keep everyone employed. Um, but, you know, we had to shut down and we laid off our taproom staff with the idea that they could go on unemployment and probably make more than what they were making right. uh, versus trying to find work for them to do. Um, and then, you know, just I would say that we're probably 40 or 50% down on our projections for the year. Right. And when that happens you got to trim the belt a little bit, you know? And so I don't, for me, my 
you know, my goal with it isn't that, you know, companies can't trim the belt or these things. It's just, you got to be honest with your employees right? about what's going on. So we, we don't have like a, a doctrine as of yet, but we practice a bit of open books. We show them the books, we show them what's going on, what we're doing product, you know, and just say, Hey, this is where we're at, you know, and right. hopefully they'll draw the line from point A to point B is like, Hey, we're trying to keep everybody employed here. Right. I think that's a huge move, you know, for you, as far you talked about, you're creating the culture there where you work and you're, you're, you're showing them some of the numbers and, and let them in. And I remember the first time I had a boss do that, where he would, he would show the budget to every employee in the meetings. And there were a lot of people on my side of the wall that didn't care. They're like, I don't care about the numbers. But I, I think it shows a lot of, Hey, everyone's involved and here's how everybody's role makes this work. I, I think it's a big move. It goes, goes a long way to creating a culture where everybody feels a little bit of ownership in the product. Sure. So when, when, you know, I can speak to what Kansas city did when, when everybody had to, you know, nobody could go in the chat rooms and, and it was this big groundswell of breweries. One of the breweries I work at uh, diametric, they created this thing um, uh, together. We can. So basically they got a bunch of breweries to bring their beer to that brewery. And we did these to go things. So you could order online, drive through, con- you know, no contact, pick up all your beers. What did Oklahoma city do? That uh, was, was, was the, the to go game big. What happened when all this shit jumped off? It was big, you know, I mean, we've obviously had to go rights, but um, we were able to sort of lobby the ABLE Commission to take more favorable rule or interpretation of the rule that allowed curbside. Right. People didn't have to come in to get the beer. Um, And then ultimately, we were able to convince them through the governor's sort of emergency order to give us delivery rights um, for the first couple months. Um, We subsequently... Oddly enough, they ended up making that permanent for restaurants and bars and liquor stores, mm. um, but they didn't make it permanent for breweries. There's a constitutional question. <laughs> we'll be working on that for years to come, I'm sure. Yeah, my, one of one of the one of the things that I hate, and whether it be Texas, Oklahoma, or here, you know, they think a brewery is a bar, and it's not the yeah. same fucking thing. It's totally, it's a totally no. different vibe. It's totally different people. Yeah. I'm like, what in the world? I, I think we need to get some, you know, granted, you know, you're, you know, you were head of an organization that represents craft beer, but I feel like we need to get some, you know, brewers or somebody in the legislature who can appreciate that, you know, this is not a bar. This is not just, it's the furthest thing from a bar. Yeah. You know so a lot of, a lot of what we talk about at the legislature is manufacturer first. Right. Like we are so much more than a bar and that our tap rooms aren't about, alcohol consumption they are a valuable business stream revenue stream but they're really also our main marketing arms right they're like fundamentally the way we get to compete with the bigger guys essentially you know like we get to bring people in our doors yeah um and that really resonated with our legislature um and, and i'm you know really thankful for that and because of that you know we've been able to tweak the laws here and there to allow children in breweries and to kind of show the breweries aren't, you know, the big, bad, evil alcohol. We're manufacturers, we're small companies. We have young families. Um, You know, being a brewer, I think is a respectable trade. Right. And our government and our laws should treat it as such. 
Like I, you know, my daughter, she can do whatever she wants, but if she grows up and she wants to work in the beer industry, she should be able to say that proudly. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, you know, some of my friends, they went to Michigan recently and Michigan shut down these restaurants and these bars, but they looked at breweries. Oh, those are manufacturers. Yeah. So they didn't even mess with the breweries. They're like, they manufacture product. So I'm no, like, I good. wish, I wish, you know, some of these other states would be like, you know, you know, who knows who's going to Washington or to Congress or to or the state level. I'm like, you know, maybe we need to get them to have, you know, spend a day at a brewery and be like, this is not a bar, bro. Right. You know, well, it's amazing it. how much weight falls on those those guilds. I mean, you were just talking about, you know, you're the president of the association. And I mean, look, a lot of people forget about the lobbying arm yeah. of an association and what and what they can do. For sure. I mean, it depends on the state and the different, you know. Right. All Every state's different. Do you think that's the biggest thing you're doing as part of the association? Is I mean, is that kind of is that kind of your biggest thing? One hundred percent. Everything we do is essentially about funding our presence at the Capitol. And I mean, we tend to think, you know, we don't have a whole lot of offense left to play. You know, we're feeling pretty comfortable about where we're at, and we want to continue to condition it. But now it's about playing defense. <laughs> right. You know, we've, exactly. gotten, we've gotten all these rights. We've gotten all this stuff, and you know, as much as I would like for people to say. Hey, those are small businesses. Leave them alone. You know, I mean, history tells us otherwise. Right. Mystery beer time. Oh, here we go. Uh -oh. Mystery beer time. Oh, there's an empty bag. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's not it. Oh, it's a bottle. Uh oh, did you bring a bottle opener? <laughs> We've run into this before. Where the, do I have to go to the kitchen and go? Yeah, get go one? out of the kitchen. Let's see what it is. Let's let's. I'll, the, I'll go let's to the, the pause button. What do we got here? Southern Tier Brewing, Salt nice. and Caramel Imperial Ale. A little bit of an imperial theme today. Well, I think I, I feel like I feel like Pat. The last time we did a pod, you know, he was he was a bit he made some faces because there was a couple of IPAs, and I, I felt like he wasn't happy. Oh no, <laughs> I, I, that is that is not true at all. I, I felt like you weren't you know your jovial self. <laughs> The guy I, there. There were other things like COVID world. COVID ruins everything. Well, not in this room. Though. Not in this room. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna go get an opener. All right, we're gonna, uh, we'll, you, you, we'll you, can enter, you can entertain Pat until I come back. Well, <laughs> are you? Have you cracked another beer yet? I have another one of the same one. Uh, I got three of them sitting here in front of me. Uh, next time one of us hits Oklahoma, I'm gonna have to grab that. That passion fruit sounds fantastic. Yeah, I like that. Absolutely. You haven't had a Southern Tier beer in a long time. I don't think they distribute to Oklahoma. Well, and so how does that work for for you guys in hitting distribution out of the state? Because every state's a little different. And I've worked with a a guy here in town that's got they're doing a gluten free, and they've they are doing the entire process from hops. They own everything, yeah. um, just to make sure that it, everything's sanitary and follows. Mm -hmm. Nothing gets contaminated, but their biggest thing has been getting distribution in the States. Like they were able to go to Canada and Europe like that. Yeah. So I, I know brewers around the country who, yeah, they don't distribute in their entire state, but they send beer to China. You know, yeah. I think right now in the United States, you know, with over 8,000 breweries, it, you know, I don't think that it's too crowded, but what it has created is a localized market. So people, you know, when people, People don't really want the out-of-state beer as much anymore. 
they that's want true. their local stuff, you know. And when people travel to places, they don't want to drink a beer that's not from there. They want to drink what's local, you know. I think that the buying the buying sort of metric has really shifted towards local. So um, as you look to grow, though, I mean, is 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 wider distribution a big deal to you, or is it or is it more of a smaller? It's not a huge deal for us. I mean, we want to distribute in the state of Oklahoma. We think that we are an Oklahoma brewery and we want Oklahomans to have the ability to get our beer. I don't know that we have overarching goals to distribute outside the state of Oklahoma right now. Something would have to change like drastically in the market for me to, it's a lot of time and effort for not a lot of beer sold right now, you know? Well, yeah. Uh, And so, you know, when I was at Anthem, we sold some beer in, um, Kansas and we're working on deals in Arkansas and Texas and it's just a lot of a lot of effort and I know friends that have distributed you know out of state and it's just it's a tough tough road to hoe uh, right now um, I think you know the days of breweries being able to build hundreds of thousands of barrels of distributed beer in 50 state regions are is probably I don't yeah, want to say it's just not it's not gonna be a common thing. Yeah, I don't think that's gonna be the model. It's gonna be in the, regional yeah. or maybe it's you know local or well, I yeah. think you're right. People want people want to drink their local stuff. There's pride, right? There's pride there. And when you travel, what do you want? Do you want yeah. I wanna know what I wanna know what's happening in Oklahoma City? I still am just I can't believe in four years you went 30 new breweries. Yeah, I've, I've got a I've got a couple of questions about that. Um, yeah. You know, I'm in I'm in Oklahoma City last last week, right? Yeah. And I'm at the on queue. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, there's it's amazing how much even the smaller breweries are in stores. Yeah, so on queue is a little bit of an outlier um, because their beer buyer is very craft forward and very local craft forward. Good for him. That's actually <laughs> a woman. Oh, good for her. Yeah. And uh she kind of had this inspiration to build these like giant local beer sets that gave room to breweries that normally wouldn't be in an on queue. Right. Or a 7-Eleven or a quick trip or these things. To date, no one else has really followed that trend in the convenience store sector. But on queue is killing it right now with local beer. Um, and definitely is opening up space that some breweries would would never sniff at. Yeah, I was I was amazed. I'm I'm in the store and I'm like, there's a 22 ounce of can of everything rhymes with orange. I was like, yeah. I've, I've, <laughs> you know, and that's a beer yeah. that gets attributed to Kansas. I was like, I've never seen one of those up here. I was like, what the hell? Yeah, I want to just buy them just to show people up here. Look at this shit here. Because <laughs> that beer is very that beer is very famous up here for 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 uh rough tail so you know but it's it, because it's not it's not why you can't get it on the missouri side right right you have to yeah. get it on the kansas side and even not like not kansas city kansas you have to go like to lawrence right yeah. it's not not even on the kansas city kansas side which is very interesting yeah so they're the wholesaler they're with in kansas that's the wholesaler that anthem's with and i negotiated that deal really that wholesaler is um they're good they're like more of a wine wholesaler and with Oklahoma beer, they seem to do better the closer they get to Wichita. Okay. Like, you know, so we would sell some beer in Wichita and Lawrence and some of these places. But Kansas City, Kansas was always kind of a tough nut to crack. Some of it is the accounts in Kansas City, Kansas. Right. A little bit more chain oriented. and Yeah. And then they just don't have, they didn't really have a very powerful portfolio. I mean, their biggest beer brand, I believe, was Left Hand. 
Okay. Um, <laughs> so it's just like they're not drawing a lot of, you know, leverage at the account. Let's say. Yeah. And when I say Kansas City, Kansas, I don't. I mean the Kansas side because that could be because there's you know there's other yeah, municipalities. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. So uh, so you've kind of you've kind of grown up in how Oklahoma beer craft beer has grown. What's yeah. that been like for you to to? I mean you've I mean it's home brewer all the way to now you have your own brewery. That's that's a great. Yeah. So it's almost like a, a lifetime story, <laughs> on a movie. <laughs> Well, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> or, or the, I mean, we don't know the end of it yet. Or it be on TV. <laughs> um, well, edited. Edited. Yeah, edited. Edited. That's right. Um, yeah, uh, it's a little interesting. I think, you know, on the one hand, like I'm super psyched that I've been able to be involved in it. On the other hand, it's like, you know, I'm only 10 years into my career and that doesn't feel that long, but I'm like, the aging grandfather of the industry you know it's a lot of experience in 10 years though yeah yeah i mean for sure it's you know it's been a wild ride but like it's just interesting you know it's it's great to see it's great that like we've built a sustainable trade like being a brewer is now a thing you can be in oklahoma city where it really wasn't before right um and you know there are jobs and opportunities to get in the door working at you know working in the beer industry is a lot more open now than it's ever been um and so there's you know it's been cool you know at the same time you kind of look back when it's happening it's hard to stop and go oh shit that's really cool you know you kind of yeah, you're in right. the midst of it yeah what's the yeah. rest of of oklahoma like i mean i know really the the nearest the next metro is the tulsa area but what's right. the rest of what's the rest of oklahoma like you know obviously oklahoma's sort of a rural agricultural based state um oklahoma city tulsa the main two metro areas um you know as far as beer goes though we're starting to see breweries pop up in those rural areas we have two breweries in enid oklahoma yeah um we had a brewery open in duncan oklahoma we've got two breweries down in broken bow which is down in the far southeastern corner uh we just had a brewery open up in um Bartlesville, which is not yep. far from the Kansas line. One um, in Ponca. One in Ponca. Yep. Yeah. We got one in Pryor. We got one in Caddo. Wow, Caddo's got a brewery. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, one in Pawhuska. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then you know, there's these are very small towns, Nick. Well, no, actually, I I I know many of these actually. Yeah. So <laughs> several. I, several. I know my midwestern rural areas. Several of the casinos have added breweries or brew pubs. Really? Yeah. So the Osage Casino, I think they actually just shut theirs down, which not to dredge up industry news, but Nine Band Brewing Company had put in. Oh, yeah. And that guy, I think, got himself into some legal trouble. <laughs> Oops. And Oops. Some, it's, like, it's like stuff out of a movie, like murder for hire stuff. Like it, it's fucking weird. I, I, need, I, need to, I, need to, I need to go Google that shit. <laughs> we'll be hitting the interwebs later. <laughs> no, I'm so, just, yeah, go ahead. You know, we've had uh, lots of breweries uh, in the rural areas as long as, as well as the, the sort of urban areas. We've had, I think, in Oklahoma City alone this year, you know, if you include us, we opened up our taproom opened up in December on December 14th of last year. I think we've had seven new tap rooms open. Yeah. Just kind of in the Oklahoma City area. And there's, you know, probably plans for six or seven more. 
you know, I was I was really fascinated by the Brewers, Brewers Union, how, yeah. you know, all these breweries have gone there. It's almost like an incubate, like this building here. It's a it's a it's a co-working space. That's exactly a, what it is. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, all these breweries that have I'm I, that's a cool concept, but I'm I'm blown away as young as Oklahoma City is beer wise. There's some really, really, really good fucking beer. It's, yeah, so it's, I it's think it's crazy. You know, we've we've been fortunate in some ways, and then I think you know we have a fairly strong community, and we have had since the beginning. So we talk to each other, and I think at times we've been honest with each other. You know, right, right. always that way. But you know, prior to 2016, with no tap room and pushing all your beer in the distribution, where it wasn't going to be shipped cold and it wasn't going to sit on the shelf cold. And it wasn't, you know, you had to get your shit together. Yeah, like, your game had to be tight. Very, very high bar to sort of to to jump over. And so I think, you know, we just we kind of took it from a collaborative standpoint as an industry and realized that, you know, all boats float in a rising tide, but yeah. you know, one boat with a hole in it could drag us all down, sort of deal. <laughs> <laughs> and so we try we try to be, you know, open and honest with people and also helpful. You know? Yeah. I love Oklahoma beer. I'm just going to say it. I, I mean, it's, it's the shit that Kenny brought me. Yeah. I'm like, bro, come on, man. <laughs> well, I got to ask, you just talked about because, because of the, the, the distribution rules, you know, it's, it's, it's not going to be shipped cold. It's not going to sit on shelves cold. So the, so the bar is already high. Did that make you a better brewer? Oh, absolutely. You know, and I think it made us, we couldn't, we couldn't stick our hand, head in the sand, right? Like it doesn't mean we didn't have problems. It meant that we needed to be honest when we had problems and we needed to bring beer back if it was not standing up on the shelf and we needed to figure out why. Um, and, you know, the way we did that at Coop, and I think the way a lot of people do it, have done is, you know, at the time there were not a lot of local breweries. We talked to our local brewers, but we were also leaning on our national friends. You know, Avery Brewing Company was a huge resource for us early in the, in the Coop days. You know, we made friends with those guys at JBF and they really kind of opened their doors to us and allowed us to call them and ask them questions, send them beer to have run in their lab. Yeah. You know, just these things It doesn't happen as much anymore because there's so many breweries locally, but really we had a much broader community in those days. Um, Boulevard, you know, I knew guys at Boulevard that would help us out on different issues and stuff like that. Um, just give us advice. And that was kind of how we did it, you know? read you know now there are books upon books upon books but we read everything we could we did you know we did everything we could and then you know i like to say it's not rocket science you know <laughs> you got to be thoughtful about it yeah i, I you know well, I, i'm you, gonna beg to differ because i talked to all you guys and you're well, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's weird about that i think i think this guy can cook so i think he could brew a beer he's just scared to do it there's too many rules, man. There's no rules problem. frighten me. Rules, <laughs> rules, mules, whatever. Rules, math, stuff. those kind of things. But the entire craft industry is kind of about breaking those rules. You know, we got, we got breweries. So. We got breweries in Colorado that are that are, and I guess elsewhere. I, the ones I've seen are in Colorado that are doing these drink it now series where they're just putting fresh juice in at the end of fermentation. Yeah. And if you know anything about fermentation, if you let that sit warm, that will ferment and then explode the vessel it's in. Yes. So you will have an exploding can or exploding bottle or these things. But when it's fresh, it's delicious because it's yeah. basically fruit juice. Yeah. <laughs> and so they're just telling consumers, hey, it's going to explode. So drink it fresh. Drink it now. 
rule rule number one don't my jaw jaw hit the floor i was just like you know i look i kind of want to do adventure beer drinking now (laughs) like can we zip line in (laughs) drink it fresh (laughs) zip line out as long as it stays cold you're safe you know (laughs) yeah it's like the it's like the plot to a bad action movie So hey, we've talked a lot about the business side and the government stuff, but what's a what's a what's a good day in the brewery to you? What's what's that perfect day? Oh, I mean, I I think a good day is when something doesn't break. <laughs> Spoken like the business owner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, just a good day from the beer side. You have something break in the process, and you're trying to figure out how you can you know keep the batch alive, and you're gonna have you know these things and. You know, and then you start worrying about how much it's going to cost to fix whatever it broke or whether or not you <laughs> for all these things. So, but I think a good day in the brewery is, you know, honestly a day where you don't have, you don't have any major screw ups, you don't have anything break, but you also like are focused on the beer, you know, like you're not dealing with the other stuff. You're not, you know, we do all the other stuff. We do events, we do marketing. We have to, we're a business, you know? If I just wanted to make beer, I could do it at home, but I've chosen right. to make beer to sell beer, you know, like, so we have to do those things. But for me, the best days are the ones where I get to step away from that. And it's just about the beer. Is there, is there a particular style you like to brew? Oh, you know, um, I don't know. You know, I, 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 I like IPAs. I like trying new hops. I think the expansion in the varietals of hops have been, really interesting and so yeah. doing single hop stuff and doing that stuff is always very interesting to me because you know we went years without getting new varietals of hops and now there's like five new varietals yeah, for the 11, yeah. so um i think it's i think stuff like that and then i i've been incredibly interested in lagering um for the past couple of years yeah and, and really kind of like craft beer was really craft ale for a long time and lager was a bad word and right all right, right. And like, you know lager is beer and has its place and yeah. you know i even think light lager has its place you know um and so you know we've had a lot of fun sort of decriminalizing that word and, <laughs> you know, you know? i think that might be your next beer name a decriminalization decriminalized <laughs> lager yeah. <laughs> No, it's, yeah. you're, you're right, because, you know, in the last couple of years, lager has, you know, because, you know, I mean, you know, you're a fucking brewer. You can't hide shit in it. If no, you fuck you it up. If you fuck it up, it's fucked up. And there's there's a, there's just there are more levers to pull with it than an ale. You know, kind of ales are your, you know, I mean, you can kind of do these set steps and you're going to end up with an ale, right? And right. you can do that with lagers, but there's more granularity in how you kind of mess with those steps and some of your temperatures and the length to which you lager it, the different lager yeasts. Yeah. Um, and then I just think, you know, with anything, you know, you make IPAs for six or seven years and you start going, let's make something else, you know, <laughs> you make, you make adjuncted stouts and you're going, God, I can't. I mean, yeah. Beer. I mean, when you drink those for six or seven years and you're like, you know, I come across a lager at a brewery. I'm like, I'm going to drink a lager. You yeah. Know, I'm going to do a flight. But I'm I'm gonna drink a lager just because it's a good litmus test, you know. Oh, oh, absolutely. You walk in a brewery and they got a Pilsner on, or they've got yeah. you know uh, export lager or something like that. Like to say, hey, let's, like let's I see. Like, I want to try that because that's gonna tell me how well you execute everything else, and maybe I'm not gonna go down that Dortmunder road. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting because I was gonna ask you, like, kind of, do you have a go-to when you go to a new brewery? Yeah, like, I mean, a, I. I 
I, I tend to tend to sort of lean towards uh, loggers um, first, and then. But I also like, you know, I'm probably going to end up drinking several IPAs, but I try to leave yeah. it towards the end because then I can't really taste the lager at the end, you know. Right. So I try to be responsible about the flavors that I I consume so that I get the best idea of what they are. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna flip the script a little bit. Uh oh. So. The last time I was in Oklahoma City, which is probably a month ago or whatever, you know, we talk about diversity and inclusion, you know, at tap rooms. The one thing I noticed about Oklahoma City, I saw a lot of a lot more diversity than I see here in Kansas City. I don't know what that is. Have you noticed that? I go to I, I when I saw you after I saw you when we went to uh, uh, what's the uh, not Flying Scotsman? It's what they're called. Angry Scotsman. Angry Scotsman. Flying angry. angry. <laughs> Maybe he was you know, flying angry. Every place I went, I was like, wow, there's people of color here. There's women here. I, I, and you wouldn't think Oklahoma City would be like that, but it is. What, what has been your experience? I think you, it's you're, relatively, you're, relatively new. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, I think that's been a surprising turn. Um, you know, obviously opening up a lot more jobs opens up the opportunity for people to get involved. Right. Um, but I agree with you. I don't know the craft world has been overly diverse um but we have you know um several women brewers now that are yeah. around um which is awesome we have like a women in craft beer or women in oklahoma craft beer um association it's kind of about promoting more women activity in the beer scene um and then it just seems like we've you know had more people of color in our doors yeah. which i think everyone is so psyched on um, dog likes it <laughs> the dog is a fan it's, it's bedtime the dog likes bedtime <laughs> everyone around here likes bedtime <laughs> no when i was in oklahoma city every place i went i was like this is very interesting because in kansas yeah. city that's not that's not the norm and that's one of the things in kansas city that we're trying to foster is like how do we reach out to some of these you know yeah. people who may not know about craft beer and i and i and what i found I was at I was at your place, Angry Scotsman. I was at uh, uh, at uh, Prairie. I was at uh, uh, whatever. Everywhere I went, I was like, "Oh, there's people of color." It was it was pretty weird for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think it's you know, I don't want to say it's strange. I want to say that we expect it to be normal, but it definitely is a newer a newer turn. I think a very positive one. Has there been you know conscious intentional efforts? toward that or, or has it been pretty organic i mean i think a, a lot of our brewers you know chose to take part in the black is beautiful beer um and that i don't want to say that that didn't help um definitely helped i you know i think we've all tried to create like responsible inclusive places you know right i would not say that our state is overly uh inclusive or uh equitable when it comes to issues of diversity um but I think most of our brewers have tried to create equitable and diverse spaces. Um, and we've got a brewery that's coming online in Norman it's called Equity Brewing Company, all four women. And their whole kind of mission as a brewery is to find ways to promote equity in the brewing space. That's awesome. We need yeah. to find them. We, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she's, you know, kind of one of their, their main their main leaders it's these two women and their daughters actually doing it and one of the daughters is going to be the brewer and um, but one of the mothers you know she's a former professor at OU she's really sharp 
Um, she may be still a professor at OU. I don't want to say she's a former professor at OU, but um, and it's a really cool thing. And I don't know that anyone went out and said, "Hey, anyone from our industry went out and said, hey, you guys should do this.'" But definitely, right. once they said they were doing it, everyone's like, "That is a great idea." I mean, that's that's exciting. I mean, that's yes. an exciting thing to hear. Did you did you guys do the Black is Beautiful? We didn't. Um, you were were fairly young. We didn't at the time have a great way to package it or to do anything. COVID hurt us in our direct sales because we at the time only had two beers and cans. I didn't have any way to label cans at any high level. We didn't have a crowler machine at the time. Like right. we were just only had been open for three months. You know, we're I still. I can't imagine three months and didn't I mean, play kids. Yeah, <laughs> and so. You know, we were kind of trying to build ourselves so that, you know, if we do get shut down again, we're more well prepared. We bought a labeling machine and we've got a crowler machine and we're right. making these things. So that was part of the deal. And then the other, I think at Arbor, we took it very seriously. And, you know, we have begun, you know, working with some organizations, social justice organizations and stuff like that on long term partnerships. But at the time, the Black is Beautiful thing for me felt like if we jumped on, it was more about being guilty by absence. And I wasn't really wild about doing that. Right. Right. You yeah, know, I didn't want to a... do it just because everyone else is doing it. Right. You know? I, look, it, all of, all of those moves, I think to get involved, it has to be genuine. Yeah. And so it's not that we didn't agree with what they were doing with black is beautiful. It just sort of, you know, felt like if we, if we were doing it, it wasn't authentic to us, you know, like we were just doing it to to be a part, basically. Right, right. Um, I, I will I will say though, some of the and I think there were seventeen breweries that did it here. I've had several others from different states. Um, some of the ones from Oklahoma City were like, I was like, again, going back to Oklahoma City beer, that bar you said, they man, they they're just killing it. I mean, whether it be Elk Valley, shout out to Elk Valley because I'm you know I'm repping Oklahoma City. <laughs> You know, Vanessa House, you know, I mean, you know, uh, Prairie. I mean, it's, it's, it's killer. I've been all over the country. I've been in, been in, you know, some of the best breweries in the country had, you know, the best ranked beers or the most hype beers and had these things. Pound for pound, the beer that's being made in Oklahoma now is as good as anywhere. Bro, I'm, I'm, I keep telling people. Yeah. People are like, Oklahoma City, I'm like, you're sleeping on them. It's five hours from Kansas City. Take take you a weekend down there, not Tulsa, because everybody thinks, oh, Tulsa, Prairie's there, American Solera, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, nah, Oklahoma City is fucking legit right now. I, 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 would, I would take anybody down there who thinks they know beer. I'm like, on par with every, every city I've, I've been to, and I've been to a lot of cities. I'm telling you, it's great. It's like, great beer. Only thing Tulsa has going for it is like the easiest in and out airport I've ever been in. <laughs> but that's it. <laughs> Oklahoma but, City's uh, got that going for it too. <laughs> yeah, oh, Oklahoma, oh, Oklahoma City Airport is pretty. It's pretty. Yeah, uh, I've not flown. It's pretty chill. <laughs> I want to ask one more question though about the the the, the black is is a beautiful project mm -hmm. and and the diversity and and from your perspective as a brewer and, and Nigel, you've been all over and, and talked to a lot of them. Other than, I mean, it's been a great collaboration project and a great story to see this guy down in, and Texas had this idea and, and thousands of breweries internationally right. got on board and did it. What's the real impact been? Has it, do you think it's raised some awareness? Do you think it's opened some doors? And I'm just curious what, what both of you think. I, I mean, I, I would say that the breweries who have done it, obviously when you brew it, the idea is to 
donate the proceeds to a particular right. thing of social justice. But I think it's also raised um, the 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 uh, craft beer because it's on all it, it was on all the news stations because it's a huge deal, and people were like, "What is this?" I thought, uh, Pat, when I last time I came to Oklahoma City, I brought some Black is Beautifuls down there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we promoted on whatever, yada, yada, yada. But everybody I talked to was like, I want to try it. I, I don't, I love the initiative. I want to try it. These are people who have never tried craft beer. Right. And their first craft beer is a fucking Imperial Stout. Hell yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's, get, let's get him in. Put me in the game. Put me, put me in coach. Yeah. So I think on, on that level, I think it's, it's, a, it's a, a different, a lot of prongs that that thing has prompted. You know, whether it be, you know, dating, donating to a charity or whatever, I think it's elevated craft beer because what other industry, we've talked about this, what other industry, I'd be like, yo, Pat, I got this recipe, bro. I'm going to send it to you. You drift on it however you want. Most yep. businesses don't want to do the same shit. No, you, you, know? you same label. Like, I mean, <laughs> right, right. The same. <laughs> right. How do we distinguish what, what, you know what I'm saying? Right. So. Again, I go back to what what industry would even attempt something like that? You name another industry, I'll give you a dollar. You name one. Yeah, no, I, I, you got nothing. I don't know that I can. I definitely think it showed the best of our industry, right? And yes. So I think it raised the profile of our industry. I think it raised the profile to some extent internally. We all had to have tough conversations about the lack of diversity in our spaces and our employees, you know, and these things. And that's not always intentional. I used to say for a long time, I would love to hire a woman brewer, but I've never had one apply. You know, I mean, like it's, it's these things where you go, you know, like it takes these steps and it takes raising that profile. And then I think from a company standpoint, you know, for us, we really been, even though we ended up not doing black is beautiful. We really benefited as a company by having the conversation, especially as a young conversation, as a young company, having that conversation and deciding who we are as a company and what our ethos is, you know? And what we decided was we're too young to make this decision right now, but we definitely want to be a brewery that's more inclusive. Right. We want to promote equity in our space and in our world. And I think you see that the only thing that I say is cross out of the craft industry. You see that in other industries too, where company being a socially responsible company is more important today than it's ever been. Yeah. I would agree with that. I want to steal a little bit from Nigel's uh, on this one because we've, we, he's asked this in other other episodes, and and I because of what you just said about you know you've you'd love to hire a female brewer but no one's ever applied, and Nigel likes to ask this question to a lot of people about tap rooms, but it's it, I think it'll be interesting to hear you as a business owner, whose whose responsibility is that? So when you hear that answer, no one's ever applied, a woman hasn't applied, or a person of color hasn't applied, is that do you think? that's on you a little bit to, to go find those, or is it, I mean, what, what part of the industry, how does that, how does that change? I guess is, is the question and, and who needs yeah. to kind of take the lead on that? I think that it's important. I mean, it's hard because it kind of works both ways. Yeah. I don't know the answer and I don't know that there's a right answer. <laughs> it's, it's important to us when we make a hire that we is an open hire. I mean, we've had the opportunity to hire some people that we knew and it wasn't really an open candidate process. Right. But when we've had an open hire, we try to identify what we want in that person. And sometimes, you know, I hope we don't, you know, don't get in trouble with this. We identify things like gender and race, 
you know, if we have the opportunity, we would like to hire someone of this, of this ilk because we want to be a more diverse company. And I honestly think that if it's a bunch of white dudes drinking beer, you're probably going to get the same beers over and over and you need some, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. And I mean, like that's female, you know I mean? Like my partner works at the brewery as a tapper manager and she's a certified sommelier and she brings, you know, a wealth of sort of taste and knowledge to the table in a way that, you know, grungy brewers don't. And that's really <laughs> important, you know? No, that's great. I think that's a good answer. I mean, the the fact that you're even thinking about it and that's, you know, that's, I mean, that's the start because again, like you said, generally people are going to hire who they know, which is cool to start. Well, I think especially when you're a year old, right? When you're opening the brewery, you're going to hire the people you know and the buddy that's going to help you out. And that will work for beer. (laughs) (laughs) You know, especially like on the production side, you want to make sure you hire a competent person. Yeah, and, and and I know we've talked about that to other other brewers, and we're like, do, do you want do you want experience, or do you want somebody you can mold? You know, and you know, uh, you know, there's two sides of that. I mean, if I'm starting straight out, do I want to do I want to train up Nick to know how to mill grain? <laughs> do I? I don't know. No, you don't. No, no. <laughs> you know, you know, it's, it's a hard thing for look. That's know. that's a level of skill that Nick's not going to have. You know, we you know we talked about this at Pat in Kansas City is like you know all these they're all smaller breweries. Um, the only brewery that that advertises that has commercials is Boulevard, right? Because they have the money, right? Sure. Everybody else is word of mouth, Facebook, you know, beer events, festivals, that sort of thing. How much time? do you have as a brewer to be like, you know what, we need to go market and blah, 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 and do that. It's, I mean, it's, it's a, it's, it's a hard thing. I mean, I get it. Yeah, I get hard. it. But, it's a hard yeah. thing to balance. I mean, but you got to do it. You got to find ways to do it. I think most of us use social media and we use right. in-person events, which have, you know, subsequently gone out the door this year. And we use, <laughs> well, <laughs> we're, we're, we're hoping this time next year or yeah. maybe August, maybe, maybe we'll be back to, you know, once everybody, everybody gets stuck in the ass. Beers with Nigel is going to turn into a road show. Yeah, that's our whole plan. We're going to, we, we've been talking before the whole pandemic. We had this whole road tour. We were going to come to Oklahoma City and yeah. go to Chicago and all these other shits. But we're buying know, an old VW bus, man. Are we? <laughs> it just sounded good. <laughs> so, it just sounded good. I mean, is, will they get on the highway? I'm just right. You may have to push. Hey, I, I think it's got to happen. I, I've been jealous about the mystery bag. <laughs> well look we got one more mystery oh, beer boy. oh boy it fell out it fell out of the bag so i put it back in but it's a it's a tall Do I need to be careful when i open it <laughs> well no <laughs> it's, it's 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 one of those that's been fermenting for four days outside. this isn't a drink it fast beer yeah um where's i oh i know where that's from that's from oklahoma city uh ancient arcana is it another rough tail rough tail prairie yep. collab yeah yes. collab yeah. Now, thank thank God for beer friends. That I is like, a fantastic. I was in Dallas. Artsy label, though. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to hold this up to the camera. Yeah. Look at that fancy label. There you go. Yeah, look at that. Yeah. That's awesome. So I'm I'm in Dallas last week, and that comes out, and I'm texting my buddy. I'm like, Hey, I've I've paid for these two four packs. Would you mind go picking those up? And God God love him because you know, they're 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 on Memorial, right? Yeah. The the new place. Well, he lives in Dell City. Oh yeah. So he's he a good guy. He went over and got those. Yeah, that's a good hike. 
Yeah, but you know he's a he, he's a he's a beer guy. It smells fantastic. Oh my gosh! <laughs> did you tell what? Did you did you tell um, Junior what the last beer was? I thought we did. Did we? The salted caramel. Junior, just in case we didn't say it, Southern Tier Salted Caramel. There you go. Tasty. It's the beer version of the salted caramel latte, you know, your your wife orders. (laughs) (laughs) Beer version. It's pretty. That smells good. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's have you had Ooh. this? I haven't yet. No, I, I think like it's that. The, the oh my god, just, just on the nose, man. It's should have grabbed it. That would have been fortuitous. <laughs> that's a four dollar word. All I have is three dollars. <laughs> no, but it, uh, yeah, yeah, that's really good. Well, what's next for uh, for lively brewing? Yeah. Yeah, so we're coming up on our one year anniversary. I think we're going to put out our first barrel aged beer. 11% just straightforward imperial. When, when is this? In a week, two weeks. We'll see. Okay. I'll, I'll be we're, back down there like in like two weeks. Else, we're, we're fighting with packaging and we're, it's really hard to hold timelines right now. Yeah. Well, an early happy birthday from, from the beer. Well, the only, only reason I'm asking, I'll be down, I'll be back in Oklahoma City in two weeks. So there's that. Yeah. On the 12th, we're having our anniversary. Party. Okay. Right on. Yeah. So you guys, you guys doing a, I mean, obviously, there's restrictions and shit. Like, what you guys doing some sort of event? What are you doing? No, you know, obviously we just don't feel like that's really responsible. So we're going to do the bottle release and we're going to have right. some variants on tap and we'll have our same tap room restrictions, which right now we're at 50%. And we have to close a little earlier than we normally do. You guys um, doing 11 now? Is that 11? 11. Yeah. Well, you know, if, if, if don't feel bad. We're at 10. We're at 10 o'clock now. Yeah. As of a week ago. Yeah. Which well, is I'm, just you know, strange to watch happen. It was just mildly shocking that our governor did anything. He's been very. <laughs> Have you met ours? <laughs> <laughs> can, we, uh, can we trade for like a couple of weeks and see what the fuck happens? Yeah. yeah. So, well, I but, think your governor changed after he got it, right? No, I don't think so. I don't think he did. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen. We're you know it's made national news, but his solution to the pandemic. For this week has been to designate a day of prayer and fasting. Oh for, bloody for hell! Are you kidding me? I'm not joking. And it's like, and, well, and we and we went to Christian colleges, and we know better. Yeah, medical help would be good too. <laughs> <laughs> some some sort of. Leadership, I don't know. Probably getting well, on some sort of enemy list right now. So what what year were you at SNU? What years? 2000 so i graduated high school in 2001 so 2001 to 2006 hey fun fact my brother back in the day when it was called bethany nazarene yeah is in the in the bethany nazarene hall of fame for soccer not really <laughs> yes yeah, yeah you know when would he have been there shit probably 80s yeah, 80s I mean, long have, time ago might have had my dad as a professor i wouldn't be surprised uh, and he might have actually you know my dad starting in 1980 he was the he was like the dorm dad for the freshman dorm <laughs> god god love those colleges with the dorm dads, <laughs> the dorm dads. <laughs> was that was that a fear of yours growing up like man if i go to college there he's gonna be my dorm dad <laughs> no 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm not been a dorm dad. Where'd, where'd you go to high school at yukon high school oh right on 
that's it. Fun fact. I, again, when I was at Prairie, I met this brother, went to Yukon High School, lives in Yukon. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Right, like four weeks ago, just random at, at Prairie. So Yeah, I don't know what it is. I've got like, I got like three three employees that went to Yukon that I didn't <laughs> know when I hired them. Like, now, now, what country star is from Yukon? Who is that? Garth Brooks. Garth. It's Garth. See, he's from Yukon. You mean the country star? The? All I know, all goddamn, I know about Garth, right. Garth is OSU. That's, that's, that's the only. Yeah, that's right. yeah, yeah. Stillwater, but yeah, he. Yukon, Oklahoma, home of Garth Brooks. Yeah, on the water tower and everything. Yeah. <laughs> Pat, bro, we appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, I love it, man. It's, 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 been, it's, been, a, it's been a great talk. Uh, um, I'm glad you survived the, the baby's, uh, whatever the baby had. You know? Bedtime, yeah. Oh, you yeah. know, the, the cold, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is, that your, is that your only child? It's, yeah, the only one. Now I got another one on the way due in May. Oh, ooh. congratulations. Thank you. And then that, that's it. That's it, I think. You done? <laughs> He's I mean, calling it. I mean, I mean. Have, <laughs> Throw in the towel. Have you told anybody else about you're done? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she knows. <laughs> I, got, I got this buddy who I went to school with. He's a urologist, and he'll do a vasectomy for, to trade for a good bottle of scotch. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. By the way, I, I think he just made our next t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> I'll try to suck to me for a bottle of scotch. <laughs> that's yeah. You know, that's yeah, that's, that's classic right there. Hey, well, thanks, man. Thanks for coming on and happy birthday. Oh, Congratulations. Oh, oh, hold on, on though. Thank you. Where can we find you? Um, where can we find uh you on social media and the brewery? Yeah, so at Lively Beer Works on Instagram, Twitter, Lively Beer Works on Facebook, and then www.livelybeerworks.com. And if you're in Oklahoma City, we are um, downtown, just three or four blocks west of the Chesapeake Arena, where the newly revamped Oklahoma City Thunder call home. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, all the new players. <laughs> yeah, we're on Google. You're on Google. There you yeah. go. We're going to find us, Nick. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or really, you know, just most any of your favorite podcast apps. You can find us at beerswithnigel.com. And guys, it's Christmas season. We got merch. So if you're ready to buy some gifts for your loved ones. Did you did you miss something else? What did you just do today? What did you do today? Oh, we launched <laughs> we launched a YouTube channel today. Yeah. What? Like, we've been talking about it for a while. But now all of our episodes are available on YouTube. So so Pat, you're actually episode number 20. So this is this is is, is that some sort of anniversary? Do we celebrate at 20 or 25? I mean, what's 25? I celebrate look 25 I, is silver? Straw? What is 25? I don't know. I haven't I haven't hit twenty five. We'll call yet. we'll call this tinsel or something since it's Christmas time. There we go, tinsel. <laughs> oh, we're brought to you by uh, uh, Dyer Dyer Oil, Oil Graphics, graphics. DyerOil.com for your graphics needs. Uh, they do make. I left stickers at your brewery. The uh, beers with Nigel stickers. Yeah, uh, Dyer Oil made those. Hopefully, those are on your on your walk in. We got them on the walk in door. Yeah, that's right that's what I'm saying. I, I will give a shout out to when I was there at the brewery. Your, your taproom staff were fucking badass. Thank you. Um, I roll up in there and we got to talk and they're like, oh, you work at a brewery, blah, blah, blah. They're like, oh, you get the industry discount. I'm like, cool. They were like 99%. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I was like, so definitely <laughs> when I, when I, when I come back, say it again. breweries out there, but 
uh, that's sort of the dinosaur in me. You know, I grew up in the industry when that's what happened. When you you worked at a brewery and if you went to that brewery, they paid for your beers, you know. And I love it. With um, the idea that you paid it back when they came to see you. So do, do you, so if I bring some beers to them, is that okay? Oh yeah. Oh okay. yeah. So yeah. when, when I, when I come down in a couple of weeks, I'm going to bring some Kansas City beers that they can't get there. Nice. Um, and I'm going to warn you when Nigel says he's bringing beers, he's bringing beers. It's not a light load. <laughs> well, we love well, beer. Well, I work at three breweries. So, I mean, somebody, yeah. I can't drink them all. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta you share try. I got, you know, beering is sharing. That's right. Yeah. If I if I ever drink a beer by me, you just had a, a look on your face. Is that is that a t-shirt? That's a new shirt. <laughs> beering is sharing. <laughs> hey, Pat, appreciate it, bro. Yeah. Thanks for coming on, man. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, thanks for listening to Beers with Nigel. See you guys on the next podcast. Appreciate there you go. it. Thanks, Congrats. man. You've been listening to Beers with Nigel, a show about beer and other stuff, hosted by Nigel Woodbury and that other guy, Nick Parker. Beers with Nigel is poured for you by Dire Oil Graphics, providing bumper-to-bumper graphic design, promo products, and print services. Find them at direoil.com. Beers with Nigel is a proud member of the Fredcast Network and is available on all of your favorite podcast flavors. Find Beers with Nigel on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and ask Alexa to play the Beers with Nigel podcast.